<laughs> do the Flintstones. Flintstones. Make the Flintstones. As long as we do the commercial where him and Bonnie are smoking cigarettes. Oh, I thought you could say where they're all singing in the bathtub. <laughs> no. Soft soap soap. from the town of Bedrock. They're a page right out of history. (laughs) 2D. The Flat Frontier. These are the voyages of the Pancake Enterprise. It's rotoscoped mission, to repeat the same animation and music, to transcend the limitations of 70s animation, to go boldly where no cartoon has gone before. Toon Trek, based upon Star Trek, created by Gene Roddenberry. Starring Paul Spataro. Also starring Dave Pascarella. With... Bill Robinson and Andrew Leyland as Andy. Production assistants J. David Wheater. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Toon Trek, the show that did not have a name for almost half of its existence. I'm Paul Spataro, and I am joined today by my Toon Trek mates, Dr. Bill Robinson. <laughs> Hello. David I don't know if Pascarella. I heard that rumbling back there. Uh, was that your was, was that your belly? No, no. Jen was p- picking some stuff up off the floor, and there's a bunch of plastic bags. This was. Please, my my ears are so small they they hurt when you talk that loud. Sorry. Or it's a hangover, one or the other. And finally, we have Sir Andrew Leyland. Hello, everybody. How are we all doing today? Tickety boo. Tickety boo. Did somebody do something to slow everyone down? I was just down? saying, I'm all nighty night. Um, rabbit. <laughs> anyway, we we are all in a very mellow mood this morning, so we'll see if that makes for better conversation or if it makes for no conversation. Uh, today we are doing episode eleven of the animated Star Trek. Star Trek, the Terratin incident, and I did not realize until... Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This Actually, it says that it's episode... Oh, wait, that's because it's out of order. You're okay, all out of order. It says it's episode 12, and I'm like, wait a minute. Well, it is It is. It is our 11th episode. Whether Whatever yes, the our, actual order is, I really couldn't care less, quite so frankly. Confused. So confused. Yes, the the uh, Wikipedia page lists this as episode twelve and lists the time trap as episode eleven. And for what it is worth, apparently the time trap did air earlier than the Terridan incident. But on the DVD, this is listed as number eleven. On uh, I believe on on Paramount, it's listed as number eleven. So realistically, who cares? It's our eleventh episode. And mm. as we were talking about before we got started, and Mr. Leyland did used all his fingers and toes and then some and counted and got us to that there's 22 episodes in total, which means we have now officially reached the halfway mark of this show. I guess Andy's got some extra bits to get to that 22. No, I had to start again. I don't know what other things he used, and I don't want to. Oh, oh you're just saying that. <laughs> uh 
So before we get on to the Terrigen incident, does anybody Terrigen have any... incident, Terrigen <clears throat> tribe. Is that song allowed anymore? Tiny people, you step on on the Madai. It's the land of the giants, dude. Oh no, that was Lost in Space. Wait, I was going to Lost in Space. What are you doing? What was the land? What was the land of the Giants music? I have no idea. I there's every now and then it's on late night here, and I couldn't tell you the theme to save my life. So, anybody have any anything of any note that they want to discuss before we go further? Uh, I don't think there is. is there? I don't think there's there's anything of note. Strange New Worlds is wrapped filming. Um, pick. Yes, Strange New Worlds has wrapped its film in. Picard's been picked up for five seasons. Oh, oh I don't know how that. I don't know how that's going to work. Picked up I for mean, five seasons, unless the credit ratings that. suck and then they cancel it. <laughs> I don't think it matters. I think they're happy with the numbers on whatever the streaming platform is. I don't think they care anymore about rating. Scarlett Johansson. I mean, I think they should just embrace. That's nothing to do with Star Trek. Though. I think they should embrace that and just go full Blake Seven. And the last episode should, should be the entire crew being gunned down by the Klingons, and I'd be I'd be down with that. <laughs> and they should go full on Blake Seven and and do it proper. And Picard should become like an arrogant twat like Avon was. And one of the the women, the one who looks like melted Kristen Bell, she should be like Villa and be really cowardly. That'd be great. And just, you know, if you're going to do Blake 7 and not Star Trek, embrace that. That's what I think. Well, there's no point in my watching Blake 7 now. Oh, come on. Blake 7 was based on the Wild Bunch and Robin Hood. You know how that's going to end. Wild Bunch is an awesome movie and Robin Hood is a great movie. So, Which Robin Hood? The Errol Flynn. Oh, okay. (laughs) The other versions all lack something or other. Yes. Robin and Sherwood's the best version. I would. I'm always going to go to Errol Flynn when uh, when asked what the best best version is, and you will not change my opinion on that. That's only because you've not watched Robin of Sherwood. Now, who's who stars in that one? Michael Pred at first, and then Jason Connery. Oh please, that's not Errol Flynn. <laughs> no, you are correct. It's not Errol Flynn. <laughs> I'm old. Leave uh, me alone. Oh well, they announced who's direct. The guy who directed One Division is doing Star Trek Four. Not Quentin Tarantino. No. Although, having read Quentin Tarantino's book for once per time in Hollywood, I would love him to do a Star Trek. I can only imagine where he would go. And actually, to be quite frank, I can't imagine where he would go because he's so out there with some of his thoughts that, uh, you know, it, it would definitely be something where if I saw it, it would be, you know, again, it would it would just give me the unexpected. I would just go, if, if I avoided spoilers, I would walk in there and I would just know that, he was going to hit me with things that would catch me off guard, for, for better or for worse. I know one thing you'd see: somebody's feet. Yeah. And I, I would imagine you you will also see you would also see some mostly forgotten 1970s television actor playing some sort of role in the movie. George K. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say David Soul, but he was in a Star Trek. David Soul was in a yeah. Star Trek. He was in the Apple. Uh, uh, get out of here. He was in the Apple. Are you sure? Wow. I'm yeah. 99.9% positive. And I think Andy's 100% right. All all I ever remember is, is it Charles Napier in that? The guy that's in the, the Blues Brothers? Charles the Napier's in The Way to Eden. Oh, the Apple, the one with the Vol. Yeah. The one with oh, the I, I'm sorry, I was confusing my... And I was this week, this week years old, when I discovered that the Purge movies 
are based on an episode of Star Trek. Do you guys know this? Which episode of Star Trek? The it's got to be. It's got to be the Return of the Archons. It was based on Return of the Archons. Yeah, I did not know that. And once somebody pointed out to you, you're like, shit, yeah. <laughs> Oh what! Oh festival! Uh, yeah. Festival! Festival! Come, come for the festival! Have that you? was his. That was his original idea. That's where the idea for the purge came from. The return of the archon. Here for the purge, are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway. Hmm. Yes, and just for what it's worth, I, I was, I was ninety nine percent sure that Dave, that Andy was correct, and I have uh, punched it up on Wikipedia, so you know it's true. David Soul played Makora. On the apple. There you go. Well, I remember James Arness's brother plays like the head guy, uh, like Vol's voice, whatever, the voice of all. The guy that had the antenna in his head, right? Yeah. Didn't they all have antennas in their head? No, I think only the guy that talked to Vol had the little antennas in his head, little silver, little protrusions. Okay, well, He's I don't like, see anybody named Vol. Vol has told me how. I swear he was his brother. I'm not telling you you're wrong. I'm not telling you you're right. I'm just looking at the guest guest appearance list, and I just don't see anybody named Arnes. The first name is Keith Andes, mm-hmm. who played Akula. Or a, it's Akula or Akuta. Mm-hmm. I can't even see if... It's a simple thing. Vol has showed me, and he smashes the melon with the giant, whatever, club thing. Uh, I'll smash a melon. Oh, I mean, uh, yeah. Such violence. You're twisting me melons, man. And if it was realistic, you know, one guy in the group would have been like, oh, wait, I have a question. C- can you clarify this and go on? And uh, uh, Did you say swing this way or... What happens if I only graze him? Right. Uh, that guy. Uh, oh, we were about to get out of here. And then he hit him again. Yeah, but if I hit him again... Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. We're never getting out of here today. Just uh, You know what? I'm, I'm just throwing us back to, to Land of the Giants for a moment. The theme song... Which I suspected, and I had to confirm. I, I was, I was John not brave, Williams. I was not brave enough to say it until I confirmed. Written by John Williams. Of course. Yeah, he, he did. He did all of Owen Allen's sixty stuff, didn't he? I know he did Lost in Space. Did he? I can't, do, uh, I can't swear that he did Time Tunnel. Did he do Voyage at the Bottom of the Sea? Oh, I don't think he did Voyage at the Bottom of the Sea. No, I think you're correct there. Uh, he definitely did Lost in Space. He did Land of the Giants. He probably did Time Tunnel. That's what we should do. We should do Voyage of the Bottom of the Sea. But then Luke, Jack, and Eddie would get mad because we were always going to do that Voyager, Voyage of the Bottom of the Sea called Voyager to the Bottom of the Sea uh, show. John Williams also did The Towering Inferno. He did. And as I've mentioned a few times, did The Cowboys, the John Wayne movie, and I really like that theme. But this is not a John Williams podcast. This is a Terridan Terridan Incident podcast. (laughs) We should have... Oh, never mind. I, 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 I originally read this title as the Peritin Incident. Do you guys have Peritin? It may have a different name in America. It's a, a it medication. Perfect? You know when you oh. get itches and you take um, like a, a pill to stop it itching? That's Peritin, and I read this as the Peritin Incident. <laughs> I've never seen a pill to stop itching, but maybe it's just because I'm just not quite that itchy. It's called a tranquilizer. Maybe. It's for allergies and shit. Peritone. Thank you, Angela, woman who works in the NHS. The Peritone Incident. Angela is like your, your personal assistant on this show. Yes. She smacks him in the back of the head. It's paratide, you stupid git. <laughs> yes. That is literally what she did. Did you not hear that? Ow! <laughs> okay, I was going to ask you a question about glamping, but I'm going to just move on. No Andrew Lalins were harmed in the recording of this episode. Oh, we'll go that far. 
So the Terridan incident aired on November 24th, 1973. How many of us were born then? Ooh, me, me. Uh, I was very, 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 very young. So we were all alive when this was aired. What was the date again? November 24th, 1973. Yes. Oh, I was one. I was just turned one. What? Were you born November 24th? No, I was one and a bit. Okay, well, you left off the bit. (laughs) Well, the bit's not really relevant when you're one, is it? I was one. So only when you get to about five that you're like, I am five and three quarters. (laughs) Andy was was one and three quarters. Yeah, I would have been uh, 11. Smoking cigarettes while yes, watching them. I I did not. I think we we've discussed this. I do not believe that I actually watched this when it was uh, when it was originally aired. I've seen them over time, but I don't believe I watched it then, and I don't remember most of them when I rewatch them now. But anyway, you were too you were too busy on your paper route. Uh, that's about yeah. That's probably about right. That's about when I did it. Uh, so this was as all of them, I guess. Was this was directed by Hal Sutherland. And this one was written by Paul Schneider, who also wrote Balance of Terror and The Squire of Gathos. And the plot of it goes something like this. While observing a burnt-out supernova, the Federation... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are you sure that's that's not a champagne supernova? Champagne supernova in the sky. Okay, you may continue. I thought you might be interrupting me to say something important there. I was. Now now I regret stopping. I had to cue Andy to sing. Mad for it. Help for it, kind of kid. Hey, hey, hey. While observing a burnt-out supernova, the Federation starship Enterprise picks up a strange message transmitted in a 200-year-old Earth code. The signal is traced to a nearby planet. When the Enterprise enters orbit, it is hit by an energy beam of spheroid radiation. Radiation that damages its dilithium crystals and makes the crew begin to shrink, along with all other organic material aboard the the ship, including the crew's uniforms. Chief Medical Officer Dr. McCoy determines that the crew will continue to shrink beyond their ability to control the ship unless a cure is found. Captain Kirk beams down to the surface and finds that the transporter can revert crew members to their original size. He also observes what appears to be a miniature city, Kirk returns to the ship, but the crew are now too small for him to see easily and too small to operate the ship's controls. Meanwhile, the Terridans have beamed the bridge crew down to their city, where the crew learns the Terridans' fate. Terridan is a lost Earth colony, originally called Terra-10. Its inhabitants have mutated because of the supernova's radiation and are now all approximately one-sixteenth of an inch in height. The beam which caused the crew to shrink was not intended as an attack, but the only way the Terridans had to draw attention to themselves. The crew are beamed back to the ship and returned to normal size. However, the Terridans have been small for generations and cannot be restored to normal size. Their planet is in peril from massive volcanic activity, so the whole Terridan city is beamed aboard the Enterprise and moved to another planet. Terra 10, Voyager 6. What? Different film. This this kind of had the feel of the deadly years for me when I watched yeah. it. Yeah, you know, except just, small. I agree. <laughs> except small. Uh, yeah, I mean it was okay. It, it wasn't bad. Apparently, uh, according to what I read on it, that there was it was an idea from Gene Roddenberry, and he had written like a small one paragraph thing about Gulliver's travels, and then uh, 
Paul Schneider <laughs> took that ball and ran with it. Good thing they didn't do it from the Gulliver's Travels we read on Back to the Bins. Gulliverina? <laughs> mm-hmm. That might have been even better. Starring Nurse Chapel. Oh. And I'll just leave that where it be. Um, you know, overall, it was it was enjoyable. This one, to me, actually felt probably the most like a Saturday morning cartoon to me of the ones we've seen so far. Uh, you know, usually they kind of have the feel of trying to do Star Trek in a Saturday morning, you know, uh, forum. But this one just kind of felt like a Saturday morning cartoon. I could almost see them doing this with, you know, with with real cartoony characters, uh, as opposed to, you know, this where it's supposed to be the original people from the series. So, you know, it, it's it was okay. It was entertaining. I wasn't bored by it for the whatever twenty two minutes that it ran. Are you thinking about like like inch high private eye? Yeah, well, I'm saying you you could have had this could have been. This could have been, uh, what is it, Yogi's Lark Arc. Uh, and, and it could have been, you know, Yogi, Be- Yogi Bear and, and Hong Kong Fooey and whoever else. And they, they're shrinking down and they have to figure out how to fix it. I think I would have liked that episode better. Ooh. Hey, this reminded me, they ripped off, there was a Doctor Who episode, I think, from, from the early, early ones, that it was almost very similar to the plot. Uh, oh, wasn't that a John Pertwee one, Andy? I actually think it was a Hartnell one. Well, might have been a Hartnell one, too. I th- I think, I'm thinking of one where they went to, oh, maybe they were shrunk and put in a menagerie in Doctor Who, Planet of Something. That was the John Pertwee one I'm thinking of. It just feels like it's, it's got the potential, if done right, that it could be a little bit of a high concept that, you know, oh, the shrinking and that, that, they're putting this this signal out to get people's attention, but it's actually like kind of you know killing them uh, if they don't figure out a way out of it. But it's done, you know. It, it's it feels like it's very oversimplified, and for that reason, that's that's why it feels like a Saturday morning cartoon to me, as opposed to a real show in a Saturday morning forum. So the spheroid energy radiation radiation compacts the body. Yeah, I don't know about the science of that, and I, I, I'm yeah, guessing... A Blaine, of the science is bunkum. Blaine, Blaine may, may comment on that, but I'm thinking if, if you tried to compact your cells, you, it would probably kill you, is my thought. Mm, yeah. I mean, well, now you get into the whole, you know, shrinking in comics and in other sci-fi, what happens to the mass, and... Well, did you ever see the Farscape where they did this? Oh, it's been a while. Right, they did, a, they did this in an episode of Farscape, and they had right, they had one of the characters, I can't remember which one, point out all of the scientific inaccuracies in shrinking stories. <laughs> and basically, Rigel pulled a Michael York in Austin Powers. He basically said, well, all that's true, but it, it's happening, and we need to deal with it. And you just imagine Rigel just looking at the camera going, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't like worry Michael about all time travel and Powell. enjoy it. And I, I said that's what they did in Farscape. They just said, "Look, we know it's stupid. Just go with it." Maybe we should do Farscape. <laughs> Maybe we should do Farscape. Well, if we did Farscape, and I know this is a tangent, but if we did Farscape, it would be not unlike when we did uh, what's it called the 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 here what's it called the <laughs> uh, what's the other show we did Firefly Firefly. I couldn't think. 
because I've never seen any episodes of Farscape. Ooh. Me neither. So, so if we did it, we, we would have, I guess we'd have two of us who are familiar with it and two of us who've never seen it. There are 88 episodes of Farscape. I just looked it up quickly. I wonder if that includes the movies to end the series. Only 88 episodes? Wow. Four, four seasons, yeah, no, eighty-eight four seasons. Yeah. I've never it, forgiven the Sci-Fi Channel for that. Still, to this day, I have not forgiven the Sci-Fi Channel for that. Well, the way, well, we can't spoil anything. If no, it, no. Well, without spoiling it, they renewed the show for seasons four and five. They had a commitment to do seasons four and five, and they planned seasons four and five knowing they had 44 episodes to tell their story and then end the series properly. And then sci-fi reneged on the deal at the end of season four on a big cliffhanger yeah on a big cliffhanger and that and pissed me off immensely but they not as much back, pissed off the producers but but they but they did come back with a what a series of movies or one or two they movies did, they did wrap two, it up they did a two-part miniseries two 90-minute movies that the wrapped up what Wars. they would have done yeah. yeah but they had to essentially condense 22 episodes into three hours Mm. Well, they're, they're looking at doing the same thing. I mean, again, I know we're really tangenting here, but they're thinking of doing that with the, the show Manifest, which was canceled after three seasons on a cliffhanger, oh. but has shown some renewed life on Netflix now. Uh, that it was, it was originally planned for six seasons with, you know, with kind of a, the storyline was going to resolve at the sixth season, obviously. Uh, but now I think what the producer or creator is looking to do is maybe wrap it up in one additional season if he can get uh, greenlit for that. I like Manifest. Yeah, and my buddy works on it, so it's got a... You know, he's directed a few of the episodes, so it's got a, a spot for me. Well, to, to bring us somewhat back to the episode... The, oh, the uh, episode, that, yes. The Doctor Who episode I was talking about is called... <laughs> The series is Planet of the Giants from 1964. To bring us back to the episode, let's talk about Doctor Who. <laughs> At least it's tangentially, tangentially related. Well, you, yes, yeah, I, I, was, I totally understand, Dave. I just there was the Peter Capaldi one where the outside of the TARDIS was shrinking, but he was staying mm. the same size in, and he's like looking out the whole little tiny yeah. hole of the TARDIS, sticking his hand out. He moved the TARDIS like he was a thing from the Adams <laughs> family. Yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> okay, back to start. Terratin incident. So, any uh, my favorite line in this, at least, uh, which I had uh, sent over to you, is Spock. Are you slumping? I have never slumped in my life, Captain. <laughs> well, I liked in the very beginning where McCoy is surprised they're going to go investigate this signal they've received. How many years are you doing this? And you're what surprised else? we're going to look into it. What else do we have to do out here? We're seeking out strange new worlds. It's it's, it's in our mantra. Oh, and it's wow. not like they said we were on our way to deliver medication to a dying planet. We were just cruising the neighborhood. Oh, and they reused an asset of uh, Carter Winston <laughs> from one of the other episodes. Uh, with this, you, you remember the shape changer guy? Mm-hmm. He was like in the background behind uh, Uhura. I missed that. Oh, it's like a blink it, blink and you'll miss it. It seemed like they had a lot more background characters on the Enterprise, different races, different, you know, uh, looks, guy with glasses. Was Obviously, he allergic to retinox as well? I, I believe he was. You stole my line! Sorry, That's dude. where they got it from. Yeah, because they're the old voice by doing. Everybody's voiced by doing. <laughs> Some of them is a, 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 Well, Captain! 
Well, he did do Eric's, Scott, Gabler, Mendat of the Terratons, and Uhura did Uhura and Braille, Braille, Briel. It makes me think of Brill Cream. You guys remember Brill Cream? Yeah, yeah. little, little dabble, dabble, do you? Do you? Yeah. Did I ever tell you the real life story I had with with Brill Cream? Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for real life with Doctor. All right, this will be brief. I mistook it for toothpaste. Oh, <laughs> yeah, but your teeth must have sparkled. <laughs> they were they were real shiny. <laughs> yeah, that was nasty. Yes, I'm like, yes. this is the worst. This is the what's wrong with this toothpaste? I was at my aunt's house and I like grabbed the tube. Good thing it was preparation age. You know, that would have really been bad. But, well, I'm brushing my teeth, but well, it was green. It was in a tube. I squirted it on my toothbrush, brushed my teeth. I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with his toothpaste? <laughs> Thank God you didn't use preparation. It your gums would have receded. <laughs> my, my ass, my, my mouth would have. I would look like the guy from uh, from Preacher. <laughs> but, but you, ass face. But you had a minty smelling ass. <sighs> so back to the episode. Aren't we starting to use the transporter technology as too much of a crutch to resolve everything that goes on? Well, yes. remember here it was only what? This is only the second. No, wait. Had they used this before in another episode? I mean, they used it later on in the series. They used it in in the Lorelai effect, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Oh, that's right. In this series, I was thinking in Star Trek as a whole, because in Star Trek as a whole, it's used like when it's like every other episode, <laughs> like for Pulaski, and it's used. Uh, oh. <sighs> It's used, you know. You know, it, could it get to the point where they just start using it as, to, you know, to resolve somebody dying? Oh, you know, so and so was killed today, but we transported him yesterday, and we have his pattern in the buffer, <laughs> oh so we so can just recreate him. Beam his dead body through the transporter, and we'll bring it back to life. And he comes back, and he has no soul. Ah! And, and it's, it becomes, it becomes pet cemetery. <laughs> you know what? That could be a cool episode. Actually, they 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 try to you know oh we we're gonna we're gonna try and revive him with with the transporter and then they create a zombie thing. <sighs> anyway, this this story was novelized in uh, Star Trek Log Four, published in 1975, which also included more trouble, more tribbles, more trouble, and the time trap. Which all did it include them in? <laughs> that I do not know. I just see it as a trivia point on. Uh, on the, an animated Star Trek website. Did you ever read the log books? Alan Dean Foster or all of that? I never have. Right. They're quite good. So, so, so wait a minute. Okay. It, if, if you cut, if you lost yes, the you limb... Yes, you do bleed. Oh, what? <laughs> you cut me, do I not bleed? If you lost the limb, could they just throw you on the transporter real quick? They've got all your body mass there. Beam you out, beam you back in, put your, you know, because you've got the pattern, your pattern's in the buffer. Maybe that's how they got Eric. (laughs) (laughs) They actually beamed him with somebody else's arm and leg. Oh, my God, there's so many horrifying implications in here. That's the thing is is when when you start, you know, it's it's one thing to come up with the concept, but it's another thing when you start overusing it, and then it just starts becoming, well, well, why can't you use it for this and for this and for this? I have a cold, but I beamed out this morning before I had it. So, so you could just rebeam me, and I and the cold will be gone. As sick as people are, I don't care at what point in history or the future, 
if there was this type of technology, somebody is going to mess with this and do horrible things. Just horrible experiments. Like Eric's, I guarantee you there'd be some freak out there trying to attach extra limbs to people through the transporter and swapping heads and... Ugh. Uh, sorry. I think I've just created a, a whole new horror genre in Star Trek. But you, they definitely could do something with that, though. Somebody who's abusing the uh, the technology. Mm-hmm. And, and then you put limits on its use somehow. Oh, yeah. You, you could do it like a guy comes back and he's like, this isn't my hand. What do you mean? Yeah, of course it's your hand. No, I'm looking at it. I'm telling you, this isn't my hand. And they think the guy's crazy. And they find out that like the transporter chief is like a nut, nutso and he's experimenting and just swapping people's body parts when they beam. And then the guy's like, my head's on backwards. Why didn't you tell me my ass was getting so big? <laughs> of course, there's also bad uh, versions they could do this. this but of course, story. you'll find out he's doing it. He's doing it just to save his wife, who's, you know, yeah. It'll, it's it'll Mr. Be Freeze. Like, it's Mr. Freeze, yes. It'll be Michael and Sarah, God rest his soul, or whatever religion he uh, he followed, and whatever God... And, uh, yeah, we would have him being, you know, of course it would be dead. That would be a dead giveaway when he's voicing the, uh, you know, or you see him at the trip. Oh, my God, it's him. The Techno Mage from Babylon 5. <laughs> Are you ready to beam down? Uh, that's okay. I'll uh, take the shuttle. Don't worry about it. Nope. Nope. I'll just free fall to the planet. Parachute down. I'm good. So, Territon. Yeah, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else my, to hit on. My next favorite. McCoy's statement is when they're already shrinking and they have to use ladders and things, you know, to to get up on the controls. Oh, yeah, I think I found out what's wrong. Why don't you come down here and I'll explain it to you. Why don't you just tell me over the radio what's going on? We have these things. Well, well, they couldn't use the uh, but that's that's the thing. They're too big to use the uh, yeah, the communicators because they can't carry him. Right, but he was able to, to call up to the bridge and say, I think you should come oh. down here. Oh, okay. oh, that's true. Yeah, okay. Yeah, duh. It's like, uh, we're already talking. Why am I going to take that, you know? <laughs> it's going to take you six up. hours to walk over there. Just i got to bring a pencil with me to phone. activate the doors, you know. Is this one, uh, is this better done, worse done, or about the same as one little ship? Well, the ship had the advantage of a lot more uh, spe- special effects. I mean, but um, yeah, I'm, talk- I'm talking have, from a story could perspective. Have done this. I, did, I think one little ship's more fun. Yeah. Yeah. See. Yeah. I think I this think is you, more about be, be, because that was just an adventure. This is more about just survival. I you think. Know, I think you're right, though. Do? I think this could have either been improved by making it a little bit more, uh, you know going into the implications of what was going on, make it a little bit more serious, or throw that totally out and just make it more fun. I think either way, this show would have been bet- more more enjoyable than it was. Wait, I have more questions. Okay. Where are we at this point with replica technology? Because I know in, like, the, the uh, Archon, not the, yeah, I guess the Archon episode, the planet of the Nazis, they're able to replicate things exact, right? Well, I mean, they can make no, boots and stuff. They no, make what? because boots? no, because because they had to actually steal those. Uh, that was just on the other day, and uh, they actually had to get those uniforms 
when they beamed down from, you know, they had to steal them, Spock's uniform and Kirk's uniform. So they didn't beam down in those uniforms. But but McCoy does because Kirk radios up, send him down as, you know, uh, a, a doctor. Yeah, but doesn't, he, but doesn't he say from ship's stores or – I don't know if they that. specify that it's from the replicator. Well, their food, I think, comes from the replicator. Either that or they got a fast stir-fry chef in the back whipping them things up as soon as somebody says it. And there's, a, there's just a guy back there. There's, You know what? That's Eric's other job. He's back there doing all the cooking, throwing all the stuff on trays and shoving them out these you know, fake windows. Oh, yeah, he's, we got a replicator. He's like the dude he, that Obi-Wan goes to visit in uh, Attack of the Clones with the three Exactly. Because well, my, my question is... When they have these ladders that they're like climbing up to the consoles, it looks like they're from Gilligan's Island. That you know, like they cut <laughs> trees down and they're tied together with vines. Where did they get the trees and the vines from? Uh, Sulu's orders, uh, because he, yes. he was he was a botanist in one episode. Quickly, we're gonna need this. Let me. Go down and rip, kill all my plants so we can <laughs> climb things. And suddenly I made Sulu, Lando Calrissian. Here's, here's my plant that looks like a hand. My God, Sulu, you <laughs> killed them all. Let me shake your hands with this. What was the, the plant's name? Was Beauregard, wasn't it? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. That was, that was the one episode. Yeah, he's a botanist. Nah, you know what? No, he's a swashbuckler. Uh, nah, he's just kind of there. <laughs> he could be a swashbuckling botanist. They, they, at first, they clearly didn't know where to go with him. They were better off with the uh, swashbuckler, though. The botany thing kind of died a quick death. In one episode, he was a popsicle down on a planet. <laughs> that would be the naked time, wasn't it? No, that was the one where they. That was the one where they. They they, they could have beam him up because. Oh no! It was to, uh, yeah, it was the enemy within. Yeah, uh, because yeah. he we 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 would get this we would get this Sulu that would snarl like a dog and. You know. Oh my. <laughs> You get the one Sulu who just keeps saying that. What's wrong with you? Oh, my. <laughs> I never okay. understood in that one why they didn't just beam blankets down. Now well, we, have a, we, have a, we have a good blanket and an evil blanket. <laughs> this one's made out of silk, and this one's made out of a burlap sack. <laughs> this one's made out of thorns. <laughs> oh, my. I just like to say that every once in a while. <laughs> Anyway, uh, I guess we can rate this one, right? Wait a minute, I got more. You got more, go. You kill it. For our military expert, Dr. Bill. You've, been in, this, oh, you've been in this service, correct? Uh, allegedly. <laughs> to steal a turn from Andy. <laughs> at any point in your training, did, did they, I don't know, teach you how to swim or at least tread water? Well, yes, it was a part of boot camp. Um, and that's when I discovered a lot of people can't swim. <laughs> did not realize that. I mean, I I didn't know how to swim at, at an early age until like a neighbor taught me. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of people that couldn't swim. But yeah, I mean, it's a requirement. If you can't get past it, I think that you probably they might have got rid of you if you couldn't swim. Especially in the Navy, it's kind of like you know implied <laughs> you may. Have off the ship, you might die. Course, I mean, you, would think, you would think Chapo could tread water for more than 30 seconds before yeah, she goes under. But they're in space. So ah. what do you need to tread water for in space? Well, I in mean, space, no one can do... hear you tread water. 
They do go explore these planets that could have water. Yeah, but stop. Nah, I I could let that go. I mean, you know, it would more be like, how long can you hold your breath in a vacuum is what, you know, maybe the Starfleet boot camp should be. I would say not at all. I'm in a vacuum. Well, and, uh, and, and and finally, Kirk takes Kandor, puts it on another planet, leaves and never tells anybody where we left it. Oops. Yeah, you know. Did we yeah. forget to take down those those locations? My bad. Well, so when they move that planet, I mean, again, this, this science of the mass, you took an entire city and all those people and put it on a starship transporter platform. Mm-hmm. Oof. I mean... Uh, I, I I would hope that it shrunk their mass as well, but if it got rid of the space, did they say it? Because they say it compresses them, right? So if you compress it, you're removing all the empty space in between it and squishing it down, so it should have the same mass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that should have like broke the ship. But the ship's well. But the ship's in space. So where would the well? But it's got artificial gravity. So I don't know. Well, the science. Dwayne, Dwayne, well, Blaine, help me. <laughs> I almost said Dwayne Dibley. That's red dwarf. Dwayne Dibley. Andy, <laughs> Dwayne help me out Dibley. Here. My name's Dwayne Dibley. Dwayne oh. Dibley. Why am I Dwayne Dibley? Oh no! Please no. <laughs> Twins that was the cat. Diddly. The character of the cat is so cool, right? I can't remember the actor's name. And if I did remember it, I would butcher it because it's... Danny Jules. Yes, thank you. And he is so iconic as the cat. He's a... he's a Cats evolved from humans. Oh, no. Wait. The cats evolved into a humanoid life form. On Over the, the three form. million years that Dave Lister has been in suspended animation. Yes. Because he have... secreted his secret pet cat onto Red Dwarf without anybody knowing about it. Yeah, so they created a whole society and lived in the ship's hold. So anyway, the cat is the descendant. Uh, um, so he's he's a humanoid with basically cat teeth, but all the attributes of a cat. So he's very about his appearance and his looks. So one episode, I can't remember what ray they got blasted with or whatever, but he loses his coolness. <laughs> and, and all this, he's got just huge buck teeth and his hair is like in a bowl cut and straight. And they're like, and your name is Dwayne Dibley. Dwayne Dibley? Oh, no. These can't be my clothes. What is this? <laughs> you got to see it. You got to see it. I like That's exactly what I was thinking. I liked his tank top. Oh, that was quite nice. But anyway. <laughs> so are we ready to rate this? Yes. Okay. Uh, I think I've kind of already given away most of my thoughts that I think this was, you know, it was kind of okay. It was an animated thing, and it was, uh, you know, it was just kind of Saturday morning. It, it had the potential for some higher concepts, but there really was nothing too deep there. So I'm going to say a 2.0. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, two and a half would be average. I think two is a fair. I mean, it was. I mean, it it, it 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 was a little more cartoonish. Well, I mean, it's a cartoon, duh. But it, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I mean, I I think there's a distinction there. It's yes, it's a cartoon, but we're looking for you know somewhat higher concepts than you would on you know Yogi's Arclark, um, you know, or or Inspector Gadget or Inch High Private Eye. We're not looking for those things. It wasn't bad. It was. It was, yeah, it was all right, but it was a little bit less than all right. It was, it was okay. 
So two uh, two Dwayne Dibleys. Dwayne Dibley. <laughs> I'll go look for a Dwayne Dibley clip. Uh, yeah, it's it's. I agree with Bill. It's the very definition of yeah. It was fine. I give it two. There's nothing wrong with it. It's on a par with a, an adequate second season show, but they couldn't have afforded to do it in live action. It's it's okay, you know. I gave it a two as well. I felt it was a, a concept I'd seen before and somewhat better done. Uh, it's a two. It's all right. So twos all around. Uh, that's what we thought, but the Blaine thing. Thank ah, Sorry, I was... Let's look at stuff up real quick. Cause I'll I'll give uh, uh, I'll give uh, Blaine the uh, the cat introduction. Incoming transmission. Hi guys, here we go. Another story based on the spaces between atoms getting smaller. Well, let me leave the science on that until last. I appreciate the fact that the villains weren't evil; they were desperate. Their options were to get someone's attention or die, so they got someone's attention the only way they could. While their deaths might have followed, they weren't trying to start a war, so they just opted for possible death over certain death. I also like that the crew had difficulties operating the ship, right down having teams of engineers with ropes operating the transporter controls. Here's what I don't like. This wave kills people before anyone realizes what's happening. Their corpses gain mass at tremendous rates and their biochemistry shuts down. Here's why. The spacing between molecules and the spacing between electrons and nuclei isn't random. It's a delicate balance and only specific electron orbits are allowed. If you start to compress things, even a little, then you change the shape of the molecule. All of a sudden, human hemoglobin and Vulcan hemocyanin can no longer take up oxygen and the crew suffocates in a ship full of perfectly breathable air. Catalysts don't connect to the bits they are meant to connect with. This tightly packed DNA can't unwind, so new cells cannot be created and you don't get multiple generations of people. Even worse, energy is subject to gravity. E equals MC squared, the most famous footnote in history, isn't just a recipe for turning matter into energy. It's a recipe for describing how energy can behave like matter. Get enough energy, and it looks like mass. What happens when you start to compress molecules? It takes energy to keep them together. Every elementary particle in existence is a little bar magnet. If you've ever tried to get two magnets that repel each other to touch, you know that you have to apply more force, thereby adding more energy to the system as you get them closer and closer together. This issue has been known since at least the 1930s, and we can measure the equivalent mass for energy directly. What I'm about to talk about was discovered while Star Trek the original series was still in production. Remember when your high school science teacher told you that the nuclei of atoms are made of protons and neutrons? They lied. Protons and neutrons are actually made up of quarks. Protons are made up of two up and one down quark, while neutrons are made of two down and one up quark. Yes, quarks have silly names. Murray Gell-Mann, who named them, did so for two reasons. One was that he thought most scientific names were stuffy and complicated. The other, he would eventually admit later in life, is that he did his work while testing out the impact of a friend's invention on human beings. That invention was a lysergic acid diethylamide, better known as LSD. While we still find it difficult to directly measure the mass of a single quark, we do know that these three quarks themselves only make up about 1% of the mass of the proton. The energy that binds them together makes up another 28% or so. As for the other 71% of the proton mass, well, the Hermes experiment at DESI is only one of the experiments trying to figure that out, but it's the only one I'm going to mention because it's the only one I did my undergraduate thesis on. Bottom line, as you try to compress matter, 
you need to add tremendous energy. You'll kill any living being. To keep them alive, you'd need to rewrite the laws of physics, and then we're not dealing with some random vibrating crystal, but a being like Q or the Squire of Gothos, and it's probably taking their full attention to do the job. It's hard to fault writer Paul Schneider for these mistakes. It's one of those ideas, like a naturally occurring wormhole, that inspires the imagination, but doesn't work at all when you look at the science a little more carefully. I can accept the wormhole in Deep Space Nine, because Kip Thorne figured out how to artificially keep a wormhole open, and that wormhole is artificial, so I assume that the prophets slash wormhole aliens did exactly that to make it work when they built the thing. Furthermore, most of the issues with the science are either unknown to someone with a high school education, or require a very deep dive to notice. This would be especially true of someone like Schneider, who was born in 1923. Some of these answers were less than five years old when he would have graduated from high school, so it's extremely unlikely that they would have found their way into the standard curriculum. Heck, James Chadwick published the first paper confirming the existence of the neutron when Schneider was eight years old. Today's generation doesn't always understand how recent some of the discoveries that are common knowledge now really are. For context, Schneider passed away two years after the first podcast was ever released. So I'm not blaming him per se, but the issues with the science are enough that I find the episode more difficult to enjoy than I should. Same goes for a lot of movies and TV shows that use shrinking subject matter. So ultimately, this probably worked much better for me as a child than it does today, now that I have a much stronger background in the science he claims to be applying. Yeah, Blaine, I have to say, uh, I may have been taught this in high school, but I probably never learned it. Because <laughs> you sounded like Charlie Brown's teacher as I listened to that. But I do, you know, I question from the start the science and technology of, of uh, compressing molecules, and it didn't sound to me like it would make sense. I couldn't have given you the scientific basis for it, and having read your... Uh, paragraph on it i still can't but i agree <laughs> that just from really less so from a science having to bear it out and more just it doesn't feel like it makes sense uh so for that reason it, it did you know make me kind of scratch my head a little bit when they said it during the episode but it's nice to have somebody who actually understands the science science any thoughts guys blinded me with science. <laughs> there was nothing I could say that would add or detract to Blaine's statement. <laughs> Sorry, I was just, I just went on a tangent writing a whole blinded me with science, Blaine, Blaine version. Blaine blinded me with science. Beep, beep, beep. What did he say? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, I guess that's it for today. Uh, any any uh, closing thoughts? I got no thoughts at all. <laughs> As a rule, just generally. Well, in that case, what are we doing next time? Exactly the same as we said we were doing next time last time. Next time is time trap. Oh, how how apropos. How apropos, yes. All right, well, we'll see you then, everybody. Goodbye. Dwayne Dibley. <laughs> Toon Trek is based upon Star Trek, created by Gene Roddenberry, and is a Two Two Freaks presentation. It's hosted by Andrew Leyland, 
Paul Spataro, Dave Pascarella, Bill Robinson, and produced and guest hosted on occasion by J. David Wheaton. All music and clips are copyright their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. This is a review show and as such protected under fair use. Yeah, let's go with that. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Toon Track. He's dead, Dave. They're all dead. Chen? River? Dead. They're dead. dead. They're all dead. <laughs>